بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحمد رسول الکریم اما الحمد للہ جنائی از دا فورتھ آف جولائی ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ نائٹ دا وی گوئنگ تھرو the illustrious and exalted life of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu. And yesterday I mentioned the report recorded in both the Sayyid collections in which the wife of Ibn Mas'ud, Zainab al-Thaqafiyya radiyallahu, was instructed by our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa that she should give her sadaqah to her husband unto the children of her husband. And, she, and he said specifically, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, your husband and your children have more right to it than anybody else. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 1462. In another report, Sayyidah Zainab radiyallahu she had asked, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Will it be accepted as charity on my part if I spend on my husband and the orphans in my care? The Prophet said, Laha ajran, ajrul sadaqa wa ajrul qurabah. She will have two rewards, the reward of charity and the reward for upholding the ties of kinship. So this is recorded in Sayyid Bukhari, number 1466, Sayyid Muslim, number 1000, Ibn Imajah, number 1834, with the Sayyid chain of transmission. So this adds a detail. So Zainab, she said, Radiyallah, is it sadaqah if I spend with my husband? and the orphans in my care. So she had actually had orphans as well. And the Prophet Wasallam said exactly the same. So if you have orphans and you spend on them, that's also sadaqah. So imagine the, the virtues you accrue if you have an orphan in your life. <laughs> so obviously you're bringing them up, looking after them. But each time you're getting the reward of sadaqah, the Prophet said. And in another report, in Ibn Imaj, number 1835, with a Sayyid chain of transmission, Our beloved mother, Umm Salama radiyallahu anhu, she said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam enjoined charity upon us. And Zainab, the wife of Abdullah, she said, Will it be accepted as charity on my part if I give charity to my husband who is poor and to the children of my brother of mine who are orphans, spending such and such on them And in all circumstances, the Prophet said, yes, indeed. One of the narrators added, She used to prepare handicraft articles. So this adds a few other details. So in this Sayyid Hadith, she also asked, if I spend on the children of mine who are orphans. So who were the orphans? The orphans were actually her, her nephews or nieces. Her brother had passed away. And if I spend on them, is it, char- is it charity? And the Prophet said, yes. And then one of the narrators added something about Zainab 
She used to prepare handicraft articles. So she used to actually prepare things with her hands and also with that earning give in sadaqah. So these are the reports. So let us now extract a few valuable lessons from these sahih hadith. So what's interesting, like I've mentioned many times, many people narrate hadiths, they don't give you the lessons. <laughs> the whole point of the report is for you to extract. So I mentioned the report. So some of you may have heard these reports, some of you may not have heard them. But even those of you who have heard those reports, has anybody bothered explaining these reports to you? So let's go through it. So first, Bilal, what did I mention yesterday? He, ex- he disclosed the identity of the women. Why? Because in the Quran, Allah the Almighty and Glorious commands. In Surah Al-Anfal, Surah 8 verse 24 of the Billahi Rajim. أَسْتَجِيبُوا لِلَّهِ وَلِلْرَسُولِ إِذَا دَعَاكُمْ لِمَا يُحْيِيكُمْ Respond to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he calls you to that which gives you life. So just look at this verse. Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He commands the believers. Respond. To Allah the Almighty and His Messenger, to that which gives you life. So, let me ask you a question. Is this command to the dead? No. So, what does it mean? He calls you to that which gives you life. What life is Allah referring to there? It can't be the physical life. He's not talking to the dead. So, what does Allah say explicitly in the Quran what the Quran and the Sunnah does to the soul. It brings it life. It strengthens it. Think about that. So Allah is telling you this. All you who believe. How many times Allah said that in the Quran? So now a hadith clarifies upon this further. So this narration I'll give you the reference after. Abu Huraira he relates Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he once called Obey ibn Qa'ab whilst he was offering salat in the masjid. And he said, Ya Obey, Obey turned his head towards him but did not say a word. The Holy Prophet called him again sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, Ya Obey, Now Obey shortened his salat. And turned towards the Prophet and said, Peace be upon you, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet said, And peace be upon you. What prevented you from replying to me when I called you? Obeyah said, Ya Rasulullah, I was offering salah. The Prophet says, Does not Allah the Almighty and Glorious say? And he recited the verse. أَسْتَجِيبُوا لِلَّهِ وَلِلْرَسُولِ إِذَا دَعَاكُمْ لِمَا يُحْيِيكُمْ Respond to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger when He calls you to that which gives you life. Obey replied, Yes indeed, Ya Rasulullah. 
I forgive me for my ignorance, I will not do it again. Mm-hmm. Stop in the report. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting how he reacted. So he's in Masjid al-Nabi, Ubay ibn Qa'ab radiyallahu. And when Rasulullah calls him, and this is interesting, if it was anybody else, are you allowed to turn your head towards him? <laughs> no. So he did something which was not normal. This indicated he wanted the Prophet to know he wasn't ignoring him. So this shows that you know he was going out of his way. So he just turned his head towards the Prophet but didn't say anything. As if to indicate maybe the Prophet doesn't realize I'm playing. He calls him again. So the Prophet knows he's playing. And then he shortened his salah. Did he break his salah? Okay, interesting. He continued with the prayer, but now you know you get that impression that he's going slightly quicker now. When he finishes, he rushes, he goes, Ya Assalamu alaikum, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet returns the salam, and he asked him, What prevented you from replying to me when I called you? So look how strange. So he goes, I'm praying, Ya Rasulullah. In other words, am I supposed to respond when I'm praying? The Prophet says, Hasn't Allah the Almighty and Glorious said? You must respond to Allah Ta'ala and His Messenger when He calls you to that which gives you life. He goes, yes, forgive me. In other words, I knew the verse, but I didn't know the application. The hadith, the hadith continues. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam thereupon asked, Would you not now like me Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to teach you a surah, the likes of which is not found in the Torah, the Injil, the Zabur, or even the rest of the Quran? I responded, or he responded, Yes, Ya Rasulullah, please teach me. The Prophet said, I hope that I will not leave this door until you learn it. So what's happened? So the Prophet, this is why he was calling him. He goes, I would like to teach you a surah. And think about this. Look how amazing this surah is. The likes of it is not in the Torah given to Moses. The Injil given to Isa, the Zabur given to Dawood, or even the Quran. So I was pleased, Ya Rasulullah. Then the Prophet didn't give him the answer. He just said, When I leave, you will get it before we leave. Obey Adil radiallahu. Then he took hold of my hand and talked to me whilst I slowed down, fearing that we may reach the door before he finished talking. So Sometimes he held his hand and obeys thinking we're going towards the door. So obey he didn't want to say to the Prophet, have you forgot? So he just starts you know, dragging his feet a bit. When we reached the door, I asked him, Ya Rasulullah, you promised a surah to me. The Prophet smiled and said, what is the surah you recite in Salah? I recite Ummul Quran, the mother of the Quran. The Prophet said, By the one in whose hand is my soul, Allah the Almighty has not revealed the likes of it in the Torah, the Injil, the Zabur, or the rest of the Quran. It is indeed, and the Prophet recited, Surah 15, verse 87, the seven often repeated verses. It is the seven oft repeated verses. So let's look at it. So this is recorded in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, number 8,628, 9,788, 21,094, 21,095. Ibn Hiban, number 775, Sahih. Ibn Khuzaybah, number 500 to 501, Sahih. 
Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah Ali stated Sahih in his Sahih Al-Jami number 5560. Bukhari in his Sahih and Ahmad number 15730 relates a similar incident. But this time the companion was Abu Sa'ad ibn Al-Mu'allah. So what's interesting, this seems to have happened twice. There's two different Sahaba this incident occurred to. In Sahih Bukhari, it was Abu Sa'ad ibn Al-Mu'allah. So there's no contradiction. The Prophet wanted to highlight the importance of this surah. Now think about that. How great a surah is it? Now you have to reflect upon this hadith. Rasulullah wanted obey to terminate his salat. To give him this knowledge. Now imagine you said to somebody, something was so important to, for the Prophet that he actually wanted a companion to terminate his salat. You got his attention. You think, hey, what, what do you say, brother? Yeah. Something was so important for the Prophet that he wanted a companion to break his salah. But we don't explain that. We just narrate it. Hang on a minute, brother. Right? The Prophet wanted him to terminate his salat. So, what does that tell you about Fatiha? Even if we don't know anything about this surah, the fact that Rasulullah wanted to give it to somebody to terminate his salat shows it was that great in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then what happened? He didn't tell him straight away. Now why is that? <laughs> so obviously the Prophet Sallallahu maybe he was discussing other things. But then eventually, who asked, you promise me Ya Rasulullah. And then it was Surah Fatiha. And then he gave the commentary of the verse, Surah 15 verse 87. Now what's interesting about that verse, Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, we have given you the Quran and the seven oft-repeated verses. So what's strange about that verse? We have given you the Quran and the seven oft-repeated verses. So just from the English, what's strange about that verse? Yes, you understand? It's, it's part of the Quran. So the Prophet said, it's separate. Why did he say that? Because he's explaining the verse to you. He's saying the likes of it, you cannot even find in the Quran itself. Meaning it's so special. It actually could be a separate revelation. But Allah has put it to honor the Quran. He's put it as the opening. Imagine somebody goes, how do you actually approach the Quran? You go through the gate. Because what's the gate? And then a guy goes, starts thinking about it. He goes, Surah Fatiha, the opening. Why Surah Fatiha, the opening? And the person goes, well, brother, I'm not a scholar. And then you say, well, is your salat valid without Fatiha? And the response is, most scholars say no. That's how important it is. Imagine there's no salat. Minimum 17 times a day, you have to recite that surah. Minimum. Because if you add tot up all the fun of the 17, minimum. Why is Allah Ta'ala made it? Because it's such an important surah. The tragedy is, we're spoiled. Person gets ill. What do you recite? Do we turn straight to Fatiha? Why don't we turn to it? There you go, because you think everybody everybody needs it. I need someone special. I need someone special. What do you want? Bible, right? You know, this is the surah. Recite surah Fatiha seven times. You know, not before I read the other verse. What do you want to the... A beautiful thing about that is everybody knows Fatiha. You don't need to go to Mufti Sahib. Yeah, Mufti Sahib. You think Fatiha, go, don't leave him alone. Read Fatiha. Keep reading Fatiha. So it's actually called Surah Shafa. 
is one of the names of Surah Fatiha, Surah Shifa. Go interesting. So now, why have I mentioned this here? When Rasulullah asked Bilal, who are the two women? The two women had said to the Bilal, don't inform him of our identity. Why did Bilal say he was a woman of the Ansar and he's there, the wife of uh, Ibn Masood? Because the Quran. This also shows Bilal's deeper understanding of the Quran than even the chief reciter, Obey Ibn Iqab. Think about that. There's actually secrets here, right? Bilal knew, Obey didn't. Right? So what does that tell you about Bilal's senior? Now another point. Rasulullah, he's in the next realm, the Barzakh. So now, obviously, his calling is, is beyond the next category is your mother if your mother calls you and you're offering salah what is, are we supposed to break our salat? so the response here is different Hafiz Aini Rahmatullah said in Umdatul Qari if you're offering any optional prayer you terminate your salat look at the status of the mother so you're offering any optional prayer, sunnah, nafil, whatever. If your mother calls your name, you terminate your salat. If you don't, you're committing a crime, even in salat. If you're offering the obligatory prayer, you don't terminate your salat. However, if you hear in the voice urgency, even the fadad you terminate. So obviously you might can tell by the voice, maybe she's in trouble. <laughs> right? So then the father you terminate. Now, even before moving on, what does that tell you about your mother? And where's the proof? This, you know, people say, where's the proof? <laughs> Juraj. He goes, Juraj, what's that? When he's in his little hermitage and his mother came, doors locked. He goes, Juraj, <laughs> open the door. He's offering salat. So he's thinking, salat, mother, salat, mother. He goes, salat. Mother leaves, comes back next day. Door still locked. He goes, your age. Third time she goes, may you not die until you see the faces of prostitutes. And then what happened? He didn't die until he saw the faces of prostitutes. And he was a saint. This is in Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim. So that tells you that he was not an alim. If he was an alim, he would have broke his salat for his mother. It wasn't an obligatory prayer. You understand? So again, this text... But for Rasulullah, you break it. Whether even if his father, there's no... So this shows his status is far greater than your mother. So think about it. So many lessons we can take here. But I wanted to mention that in clarification of Bilal. So now, zakat. Can the wife give zakat to her husband if he's needy? So with regards to the fiqh, Sheikh Muhammad Akram Nadwi, he clarified in his Al-Fiqh Al-Islami, According to the Hanafi Madhab, volume 2, page 49. Quote, According to Imam Abu Hanifa, Rahmatullah and I've added, and Imam Ahmed, he didn't say that, but this is the same view as Imam Ahmed. According to Imam Abu Hanifa, I and Imam Ahmed, Rahimahumullah, it is not valid to pay zakat to one's husband. The wife is forbidden for giving zakat to her husband, even if he's needy. Imam Abu Yusuf, Imam Muhammad, they however hold the view 
that a wife may give zakat to her husband because she is not financially responsible for him. So the two major students of Imam Abu Hanifa, they differed with their teacher. They said the wife isn't responsible for her husband. So why can't she give zakat? So they differed because zakat can be given. Imam Muhammad said, the wife is not paid from the zakat of the husband. And Abu Hanifa also says that the husband will not be given zakat from the wife. But we hold that the husband can receive zakat from the wife. This is also recorded by Imam Abu Hanifa in his Kitab al athar So there's a difference amongst the Hanafis. Imam Shafi'i, Rahmatullah, he allowed the wife to give zakat to her husband. And he uses this narration, which I've mentioned, as proof. So this report I mentioned where the wife, Zainab al-Thakafiya, says, can I give to my husband? And the Prophet goes, yes, you'll get a, you know, like a double reward. Refer to Fatt al-Badi 3-328. However, Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah, don't you think he knew this hadith? He counted this and he said something very interesting. He stated this sadaqah of Sayyida Zainab was not zakat. It was a voluntary type, not the farad. How do we know? And the report is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 1462. Abu Sayyid al Khudri radiya on Eid al-Fitr or Eid al-Adha, Rasulullah went out to the Musalla. After finishing the Salah, he delivered a sermon and ordered the people to give Sadaqah. Then he went to the women and said, O oh, women, give Sadaqah. So how is this hadith critical in understanding the whole scenario? Because, what does it say clearly in this report? This was on Eid, either the, the Eid after Ramadan, or the Eid after the sacrifice, mm-hmm. on the day of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. He goes, give sadaqah. This Sahih Hadith indicates that this dus was with regards to voluntary sadaqah, not zakat. Especially with the fact, zakat is not lawful for one's children. Mm-hmm. Whilst the Prophet clearly said in Sahih Bukhari number 1462, her husband and her children had more right to it than anyone else. Thus, this further cements the view that both Imam Abu Hanifa and Imam Ahmad, that the zakat of the wife cannot be given to the husband. The Prophet said, children. So again, there's an ikhtilaf here. So whatever the case, avoid it. When there's ikhtilaf, for taqwa purposes, avoid it. So they all agree that the husband can't give to his wife because they're your dependents and the children. The ikhtilaf is the other way. When the wife gives zakat, she can give charity. All the scholars agree to that, from, to her husband. But zakat, they differ. And if you look at the reports, you realize there's an ikhtilaf of a serious nature here taking place. And it's a farad. So you've got to be very careful. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he knows best. So look how interesting. You can narrate the hadith, no problem. But don't give fatwa. <laughs> you know, why you give, who are you to give fatwa? Brother, hadith says it. And he goes, that's classic. Does he say, brother? That's like saying the Imam didn't know and you found it. That's just one piece of evidence. So what does that mean? You go into a courtroom, I found the evidence. <laughs> and he goes, 
Well, there's 10 other pieces of evidence, but thanks, yeah, you know, we'll take that into consideration as well, isn't it, mashallah? So again, note, we learn here from the great, from the incident. So all I mentioned today was clarification upon the question, can the wife give zakat, her zakat to her husband? And like I mentioned, there's a difference of opinion. It's better to err on the side of caution and avoid that. But of course, follow your imam in any case, and inshallah, you've got your uh, excuse on the day of judgment. <laughs> inshallah. No, the only thing which I can't fathom for the life of me, don't you want to be safe on the day of judgment? So what do I mean by that? If you say, if Allah Ta'ala asks you, why did you do this? He's definitely going to ask you, isn't this taking the burden off your shoulders? Because this is what Imam Ahmad said. Do you think Allah Ta'ala will hold me accountable after that? No. If you haven't got anybody, to, you go, I'll look direct. And Allah Ta'ala asks you the same question. Why did you do it? And you say this because it says in the Quran, it's in the Hadith. Now you're arguing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, don't make. Why have you put yourself in that situation? So just logically, you know, I don't want any trouble on the day of judgment. I want, and of course I don't want any harm to come to the Imams, but they're my excuse with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala will then turn to them. So again, you know, just even common sense says you should follow the higher levels of scholarship for your own protection. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi is one of the Allahumma bihamdi ka